You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. I'm your host, Joshua Balta. B. Diddy, Baron Davis is back in Charlotte. It just brought all of the feels back. Yesterday, August 23rd, the Charlotte Hornets revealed that the jerseys for this upcoming season will be the throwbacks from between 1997 and 2002, which is when I became a fan. That's when I was in my early uh, fandom, right? I was in my early ages. But even at that point, you know, my grandfather, my grandpa, he was taking me to games. Uh, that's when I became a Charlotte Hornets fan. That's why I was so wrecked whenever the team left and went to New Orleans. I felt like it took just a giant part of me away. And to see Baron Davis back in Charlotte with what is now the face of the franchise in LaMelo Ball and just having that that fly now, fly then whole thing. I thought that the Hornets marketing department did fantastic. That was phenomenal. The schedule release video, just the throwback, celebrating all of the years, all of the decades of the team, of the organization, um, and just bringing back so many of those memories that brought us to be Charlotte Hornets fans because in recent years, it just hasn't been good. It hasn't been good enough. Always feel like we're on the outside looking in, missing the playoffs, just being that 9-10 seed before they opened up the play-in, just being right there on the edge, getting beat out by the Pistons, it, feel like, it felt like every season for that final play playoff spot. And then in the play-in, getting trounced <laughs> twice since the inaugural play-in. Even going back to the bubble, like we were the last team cut off from going to Disney World and staying in the resort and being able to advance and play in the bubble been seven years since we made the playoffs it's been since 2002 since we won a playoff series have never ever won a seven game series it's just been bleak it I mean it just has and so to bring back those feelings that brought you into the fold that brought you into the fan base and just the nostalgia of it seeing Baron Davis back in Charlotte and seeing those hella sweet uniforms that I mean, I'm my money's gone, guys. And I know some many of you have the same sentiment. My money is gone. Like I'm going to spend unreasonable amounts of money on the gear this year, not just jerseys. I mean, you wait till the hoodies and the jackets come out and those things, we, we all saw Dennis Smith Jr. rocking the mint Buzz City one on the sidelines last season. I got that for my birthday. That was a birthday gift. My family knew I wanted that. Um, and so 
I mean, this is going to take my money, my kids' money, my my wife's money, my granny's money, my pappy's money, my grandpappy's money. This is going to take everybody's money. It's this is going to be on my Christmas list. This is going to be on my birthday list. Day after Christmas, always got screwed growing up. My gosh, it, if any of you have a birthday around Christmas, you know. Because I've never spoken to somebody before who has a birthday. I know I'm getting off track here. Anybody who has a birthday in the month of December, especially like in the 20s or even like late teens, you know. Like growing up, birthdays weren't special to me because like you had the entire Christmas holiday season you know, in the air, like everybody was celebrating that. And like, that was fun. I was with it. I love the holidays during uh, Christmas time. Love it. It's my absolute favorite part of the year. But birthdays really didn't mean that much to me because it was always overlooked. It was always cold. Couldn't have swim parties like many of my friends, different things. Birthdays weren't that great, but People know that. And so, like, my family's kind of rallied around me. And they know, yeah, you kind of got, you kind of got gypped as a kid. And so they usually go in and give me, like, one really good gift. I know what it's going to be this year. It is going to be this throwback 97 to 02 gear, jacket, hoodies, shorts. I cannot wait for these shorts. I know a lot of people want the jersey. LaMelo looked fresh. He was looking so clean, so good in that new jersey. It's just, it's going to be great. It's going to be phenomenal. And I know so many people are excited about it. I know many of you listening are excited about it. But going back to seeing Baron Davis in in Charlotte, so many of fan favorites throughout the years, Our players really haven't had a long tenure in Charlotte. And so growing up, Baron Davis was my favorite player. Drafted him, watched him coming out of UCLA, and then to see him with the Hornets lead us to the playoffs. We had other players too, right? We had Jamal Mashburn during that time, all right? I remember P.J. McGlure, um, Eldon Campbell. You had guys like that, right, who were – Solid players and leading us as well. David Wesley during that time. But so many of our favorite players throughout Charlotte Hornets history, a lot of these guys aren't viewed as Charlotte Hornets by many fans because they didn't stay here long. Many of these guys were here three, four seasons max, and then they were gone. Like, you take Alonzo Mourning. If you ask most fans, they would remember him as playing for the Miami Heat. And then you even Larry Johnson, he's a legend in Charlotte, the only number one overall pick that the Charlotte Hornets have received, took Larry Johnson. His jersey's always in the fan shop. It's one of the most, like, noticeable throwbacks. He's being known, I mean, even he has been working for the New York Knicks and doing things for them. And for a long time, didn't speak with many Charlotte Hornets front office members and 
you know, there seemed to be some kind of relationship, you know, that wasn't that great. And so even like Larry Johnson, one of the best players in Charlotte Hornets history, many people don't even remember him as a Hornet. They do. They remember grandmama, right? But he kind of planted his roots with the Knicks. And then Baron Davis, he's another one. He's had that crazy playoff run where with the Warriors where they beat the Mavs as an eight seed, and then he spent some time with the Clippers. I think that he worked with the Clippers a little bit. I think he stays out in L.A. Um, who at Glenn Rice is another one. He was only with the Hornets for a handful of years. Many people remember him with the Miami Heat. Muggsy Bogues is really one of the only guys that, like, really, I think people remember him. And that's because he stays in the city. And he has stayed attached to the organization throughout the years. And so, to a large degree, that's why Kemba is the greatest Charlotte Hornet of all time. Is because many of these other players that were also great, they just didn't stay here long enough. And so, to see Baron Davis... Back in Charlotte, going back and forth with who is now the face of the franchise in LaMelo Ball. Two point guards, both selected third overall, and two of my favorite Hornets of all time. You know, playing horse, having all of the pictures, fly them. It was great. And I know that Hornets fans loved seeing it. I know I did. Um, it just brought back all the feels, why we are Hornets fans, how this started. It brought back that part of my childhood when I was six, seven, eight years old, right? And it was it, it was just great to see. It was just great to see. The Charlotte Hornets, moving on, moving on. The Charlotte Hornets have celebrated two birthdays in the past few days. LaMelo Ball, August 22nd, turns 22. And then you have... P.J. Washington turning 25 yesterday, August the 23rd. The Charlotte Hornets actually tweeted out happy birthday to P.J. Washington, and it makes sense. I mean, they extended the qualifying offer. Talks are ongoing, even though a lot of people and reports are coming out that they're not close on the deal. I'm just wondering, like, when is this thing really going to come to an end? Is P.J. going to be traded? Is he going to be brought back to Charlotte? Is he going to accept the QO and come back on the one-year qualifying offer? Are they going to meet somewhere in the middle? 15, 16 mil. P.J. has to see the writing on the wall. I mean, I understand from P.J.'s thinking. He has seen other players like Isaiah Stewart and Harrison Barnes and Rui Achimura. He's seen players like this, Dylan Brooks, Austin Reeves. He thinks that he's in that realm, and I can't blame him for thinking he's not. He's seen those guys get 17, 18, 20 mil per year. Isaiah Stewart, I believe, got 16 mil per year and be like, man, I'm better than him. I deserve more than him. They need to pay me. These other organizations are paying their guys. Mine needs to pay me. I, I just really want P.J. back. He feels a massive need. I know a lot of people are excited about J.T. Thor. I know I've spoken on this on this you know conversation a lot over the offseason. 
But like it just keeps going on. We're at August 24th. Like we're essentially one month before training camp starts and guys start reporting. And PJ Washington is still not on a roster. Things have to come to a close at some point. And he, a lot of people are excited about JT Thor. Sure. I guess be be excited about JT Thor, but PJ Washington is just he's just better. And I know some people say, yeah, but you're paying JT Thor one million dollars. Like JT Thor for one million for what he can provide versus PJ Washington for what he could provide for 15, 16 mil. I give me JT Thor. And I get that sentiment. I really do. But at the end of the day, PJ Washington's a better player. And if we're really trying to win games. And we are trying to gain that playoff experience for so many of these players for the first time. P.J. Washington has to be rostered. And I'm not saying overpay, but I mean, something has to cut. Like, the Charlotte Hornets really need to just lay down the gauntlet. I don't. We don't know if they have or haven't. P.J., look, we value you. But there, there aren't any teams with any cap space. And I know you want 20. But for us to team build and for us to really do what we're trying to do here, we need you to take 15. But then apparently reports are saying that the Charlotte Hornets haven't approached 15, which I think that's crazy. That's crazy. All right? Meet in the middle. Meet in the middle. Have to meet in the middle. I just really like P.J. Washington. He fills a massive gap on this team. Charlotte Hornets first 10 games. Last episode, looked at the schedule. I believe I landed at 36 wins. And the Charlotte Hornets' first 10 games of the season. I went back. I looked at it. No Miles Bridges. Right now, no P.J. Washington. Is it great? The way that the schedule fell for the Hornets in the first 10 games without Miles Bridges is phenomenal. I mean, Washington multiple times. You get the Rockets. Um, I mean, you have multiple games against lower-tier teams that you can win. You get the Hawks at home. You start the season on a three-game uh, homestand. I mean, the way the schedule fell for the Hornets those first 10 games, it's beautiful. But no Miles Bridges, possibly no P.J. Washington. Even still, I mean, I don't I don't know, guys. I don't know how many wins there are. I just really don't on in the first 10. Once you take all of that into context, you hope to go five and five at worst. But I mean, there's a real realm where the team could still start. Like Atlanta can be a loss. One of the games to Washington even could be a loss. It shouldn't be, but it could. You, I mean, there's a world where you go to Houston and you lose. I mean, they just added Fred Van Bleet and Dylan Brooks to a Jalen Green team uh, and Jabari Smith Jr. and Alperin Shangun. I mean, there's a real chance we go to Houston and lose that game. I don't want to. I would like to count that game as a win, but no Miles, no P.J., the Hornets have to start. They have to tread water until game 11. They have to 
they really have to break 500. They have to go five and five at minimum those first 10 games. But there's a real world where they go three and seven. And if the Hornets go three and seven to start the season, I mean, that it's going to be a massive uphill climb. I don't see how you can get off to a start like that and expect to really bounce back. Sure, you add in Miles Bridges, that's going to be an injection of talent and energy into, you know, the performance of the team, but at the same time, it's probably going to take him some games to get his feet wet. So if it takes him five, six games, at that point, can you wait five or six games for Miles Bridges to get back to speed, to get back to comfortable, not trying to play too hard or like overdo things? He's going to try to make a statement. He's going to try to put the past year, year and a half behind him. And is he going to try too hard? Is he going to just do too much? The Charlotte Hornets can't be three and ten, four and twelve by the time that Miles Bridges gets gets right. Okay. And the team finally starts clicking. This team has to tread water. Really want to see this team jump out from the start. Six and four, seven and three. It's possible. I'm not saying that they can't do it. That's what they need to do, honestly, because the back end of the schedule gets more difficult. I do like another part of the schedule I like is that three-game uh, on the road to end the season. You have Boston, you have Cleveland, and I didn't have the schedule pulled up. I can't remember that third team that they play. But you have Boston and Cleveland, I know, at the end of the season – those teams are probably going to be locked in to a playoff spot already. We saw this a couple of seasons ago where Cleveland already was in the playoffs, and I think they were playing the Nets. We had the tiebreaker over the Nets, but because the Cavs were already locked in, they didn't even play their guys. The Nets blew them out. It was never a contest, right? And it just ended up – we ended up not being able to get the tiebreaker. We ended up being the 10 seed, getting blown out, all the things, right? Oh, we finished with the Hawks. So it's Hawks, Celtics, and Cavs. The Hawks, I think, we'll have to play for sure. But I could see those last two games, Celtics and Cavs, us playing for something and them not. And so those two, those last two games could end up being wins that might normally be losses. So I like that. Now, you can't count on that. <laughs> We've needed wins multiple times in the past few seasons and haven't been able to get them late in the season. But those are two games that you could normally count as losses on the road against top four seeds in the East, some of your premier teams in the league. And if they're already locked into you know a one seed or a three seed or whatever the case may be, you like that. Those those games down the stretch, maybe they they sit a couple guys. The Hornets are bringing everything, and we can pull those games out. So I like the way it, the season ends. I like the way that it begins. The Hornets also have that eight-game homestand towards the end. We talked about it in the last episode. Those are going to be vitally important, the way the season starts, the way the season ends, on what this Hornet season ends up being. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. 
saw the uni, saw Baron Davis back in the Queen City, you know, bringing back the nostalgia of my, you know, childhood. Healthy LaMelo ball. Everybody seems to be sleeping on him. We're going to be talking about that in episodes to come. Nobody's bringing up LaMelo in the best young players in the league conversation. And even if they do, he's like at the bottom of the list at like 10 or off, not even in the top 10. A lot of stuff going on there, whatever. Going to be bringing you new episodes. Got some guests lined up soon. I'm looking forward to it. Stay tuned. More Hive Hoops coming at you. Until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops. Presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Oh, my God.